0: You are tuning to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. We got three things to get into today, and we're going to start with Ryan O'Hearn and his surge in Baltimore. What do I think about it, and why do I believe the Royals hung on to him for so long? So that'll be our first segment. Secondly, got to talk about these rotation problems once again and how they can go about constructing a five man rotation. And lastly, I put this out on Twitter yesterday for all-time royal killers. Who do I believe it is? That's all coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First, we want to thank you for making lockdown royals your first listen every day you can check us out in all those podcasting platforms like apple podcast amazon music spotify and check us out on youtube just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe and you can always check me out on twitter at J underscore 15 that's at j-o-h-n-y-j underscore one i know that the first guy we're going to talk about today is not about a current royals player And it's going to be about somebody that maybe for fans out there, you didn't want to see succeed because of how he was perceived in Kansas City. But if you've been living under a rock, uh, you would not notice that Ryan O'Hearn is turning in a career year for the Baltimore Orioles. And for a lot of us Royals fans or people that cover the Royals, it's kind of a of course moment. Now, why could that happen there and not in Kansas City? the the oh the misery type of behavior uh, because it feels like Ryan O'Hearn is just one of many uh Emmanuel Rivera is playing very well in Arizona y'all is playing very well in Milwaukee even Gabe Spires had a pretty good year for the Seattle Mariners Ryan O'Hearn though I think is the one that stings the most now let me be very clear that I am ecstatic for Ryan O'Hearn because I always root for guys that just needed the change of scenery. I wanted guys to have that ability to start fresh because not every big league ball player gets to. And in fact, I think Baltimore may have been one of the few teams that looked at him and said, I think there's still something in there. We got to change the hand placement. We got to change the swing a little bit. And then we believe he can be a key cog in the middle of our lineup. Now, the one thing with Ryan O'Harnley, he doesn't play every single day. But what he's doing is something we haven't seen from Ryan O'Hearn since his offensive surge in his rookie season. And a lot of that was due to not really having a scouting report. They didn't know how to pitch to Ryan O'Hearn. It was more so, it's a rookie. He's not a top prospect. Here's the ball, see if you can hit it. And Ryan O'Hearn could. But then when the league figured him out, the Royals didn't know how to change his swing or know how to develop him. And I don't think that the Royals player development team, while Ryan O'Hearn was there, did much to adjust him to work with them on, if you're getting these pitches now, here's what you need to do. Baltimore does that. But again, I'm not going to spend the first 10 minutes of our show, you know, salivating over what Ryan O'Hearn is doing in Baltimore, because hindsight's always 2020. I'm never going to look back at Ryan O'Hearn and say, well, the Royals were stupid for letting him go. If Ryan O'Hearn was on the opening day roster in 2024, there would have been outrage in Kansas City. And also, at first base, there was a bit of a, a log jam there, and especially now, um, you had Vinny Pasquantino. You knew Nick Prado was going to be coming up rather soon. So you have two first basemen right there. Then the outfield, you needed MJ Melendez out there. You needed uh, Drew Waters, Kyle Isbell, uh, Edward Lovarez out there. If Ryan O'Hearn got a bats over any of those guys, there would have been outrage. But I teased this a little bit before we started talking about Ryan O'Hearn. It was about the Royals front office as to why they hung on to him forever. Now, I was talking with my good buddy, Joel Penfield, and he's one of the co-hosts at One Royal Way. They do a fantastic job, have great coverage. It's him, Josh Kaiser, and Jordan Foote. And he brought up an idea that I completely agree with. And that is that the Royals hung on to Ryan O'Hearn for so long because they were fearing for this exact thing. That they, deep down, had a gut feeling that if Ryan O'Hearn left Kansas City, he was going to take off somewhere else but they were fearful that he was going to do it at age 25, age 26. Now, I think he's about 28 right now, if I'm not mistaken, 28, 29. They were fearful that if they gave up on him one or two years in his career, he was going to go catch on somewhere else, be an everyday big leaguer, be a number four, number five hitter, and be well above league average. Now, that's not what Ryan O'Hearn is. He's not an everyday player. He does play a lot for Baltimore, more so than I think – even Royals fans wanted to play him last year, right? And he's shining, he's succeeding. And this to me brings up a a very alarming thing. And especially with this year's team as well. So we all have our guys, right? When you're watching the Royals play this year, if you still are, if you have a monthly subscription to Bally sports, you look at this team and say, okay, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy in this spot. You know, just get him off the team. Can't stand watching him play. You know, we complain about Edward Olivares in the outfield. Uh, We complain about Kyle Isbell uh, just not being able to give you much offensively. We complained about Michael Massian and him really experiencing a sophomore slump. Same thing with MJ Melendez. When I look at it, I do have this pitting fear at the bottom of my stomach that. When the Royals get rid of one of those guys, or if they trade one of those guys, or they DFA one of those guys, that they're going to go somewhere and immediately catch on. That's the thing here, and I think that's the thing that's the most alarming. That for a lot of these guys that I listed off, the the pie of the world, the Spires, the Ryan O'Hearns, Brent Rooker's kind of a unique story because he made the All Star team and he was great early on. He's been terrible uh, since that Royal series in Kansas City. So I don't really want to lump Brent Rooker in here, but I guess I will because the Royals gave up on him so quickly. But you have these guys, right? You have these guys that were bad on bad teams, and all it takes is a change of scenery, not once, not twice, every single time. And when it's every single time, I start to wonder, are the players on the team right now, are the players on the team the last four to five years, not as bad as we think, is it top to bottom a player development thing? And this also brings up the idea of drafting. Did they draft the right guys? They just can't develop them? I asked this question on Twitter with a, a Twitter poll on if it's scouting. Is it player development? No, or is it just a player? And I really didn't want to believe it was player development, or I thought it was maybe both at least with scouting and player development. Maybe these scouts are finding the right guys, are finding value late in the draft, and. The player development team just doesn't know how to get them to adjust. Because, right, here's the thing, that the Royals have had guys exceed expectations, right? I think you look at a guy like Jake Junis, who was uh, mid-20s and the rounds that he was picked, right? You've got Vinny Pasquantino, who was an 11th round pick. You have success stories like that. But what I'm fearful of is the ability to get them to adjust, all right? Can they adjust? Because that's about being a big league hitter. If you can't adjust, you're never going to be a long-term big league player. You're never going to be that guy that can stay in the lineup every single day. We're seeing with a lot of these guys, Melendez, Prado, Massey. And I would say Bobby Wood Jr. when he's slumping. Kyle Isbell, Drew Waters. I can't say that all of them know how to adjust. And maybe that's on them. Maybe that's on player development. But the great hitters, the ones that go through a little bit of a slump or they had that sophomore slump, and immediately rebound, it's because they know how to adjust. Ryan O'Hearn has figured out how to adjust, how to find his swing again. And a lot of these guys that have left have found reasons, right, to immediately you know, tap into what they could have been. And for Kansas City, I'm never going to fault them for... Maybe the Ryan O'Hearn case because they gave him three or four years. But is that worse? That for three to four years, they couldn't figure out what to do with him and Baltimore figured out what to do with him with two months? Well, that's why Baltimore's where they're at. It's why Kansas City's at where they're at. And for some of these other guys, yeah, you may say move on from them. They're not big league ball players. Maybe they do just need a change of scenery. And if the Royals never realized that, I hate to say it, but this is going to continue to happen over and over and over and over again. All right. The next thing I do want to get into here is the starting rotation and the problems they've been having. Uh, which guys do you put in there moving forward? Is there anybody I'm willing to cut bait with right now? That's going to be coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five before we go any further let's give a shout out to today's title sponsor in ibotta now other apps give you points that don't amount to much with ibotta you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account paypal or gift cards you can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with ibotta including lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more so here's what you need to do Right now, go and see Ibotta because they are offering listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. So just go to that app store after you listen to the podcast today or the Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app today and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. I'm watching the game yesterday afternoon. And I really want to find that optimism in an Alec Marsh start because when you have a young pitcher in the rotation, hey, I got to see something, right? I, I got to find that success. I got to figure out what's going right, what's going wrong. And-, and Alec Marsh has already impressed me for the expectations I set for him. He had 11 Ks and-, and his third big league start, was it, against Tampa Bay, that first one right after the All-Star break. A, a Tampa Bay team that is was, at least at the time, fourth in OPS in all of baseball. And Alec Marsh, to me, was a guy that really presented some really big swing and miss stuff, right? At least for the fastball he had, the curveball that he had, the changeup that he had. Felt like there was a good amount of swing and miss there. And In fact, yesterday in my sleeper picks, I said that Alec Marsh would have over five and a half Ks. He didn't come close to that because his pitch count was high and he got rocked over less than three innings against a a Cleveland lineup that isn't very good. Maybe we get tagged by Jose Ramirez in the bottom of the first inning on a two-run shot, and after that, just never found the confidence again. And then you look up the numbers, even the basic ones at that. You know, Alec Marsh is 0-5 with a 7.04 ERA. I can't speak highly of that. I can't find optimism in that. I can find optimism in the last previous starts, and, and maybe I just shouldn't get too caught up in one start here. But Alec Marsh has had trouble keeping the ball in the yard. And I wouldn't really say that it's a a recipe for being a long-term starter. Now, for the rest of the year, sure, give him as many starts as you can. And I believe from one point in time, I said that he'd be pretty good out of the bullpen. I think that could be the case, but there's no harm in trying him out in the rotation right now. But you are seeing a group, with the exception of Ryan Yarbrough, really struggle to log innings, really struggle to keep this game close to keep things competitive and that's been a big time theme of 2023 bad rotation now Daniel Lynch back on the shelf and may not see him till September I really wouldn't find a need to bring him back in September I would just shut him down for the rest of the year Brady Singer has looked as bad as 2021 2020 late 2020 I know he had that near no hitter in Cleveland, so that's a bad example. But 2021, I think it was the last time I remember Brady Singer being this bad. And it's unfortunate because of how good he was last year. Everybody thought this was the year Brady Singer becomes the number one. He hasn't been, so he regresses. Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles might have been the two worst free agent signings the Royals have handed out last couple of years. You know, Jordan Lyles for sure, but Zach Grinke, as much as I love him, as much as he's a Royals legend, a Hall of Famer, He's 1-11, and 11 11 this year, 5-plus ERA. Lyles is a 6-plus ERA. They've won three games this year, three, and lost 22, I believe. I mean, it, it can't get much worse than that, right, when you look at free agent signings, and they're both aged guys, seasoned guys, veteran guys that were supposed to be at the top half of your rotation. All right, so there's your four. Brad Keller can't even throw a strike anymore. Right, that's where we're at with Brad Keller. It's tough, man. It, it's it's really, really tough to find a bright spot in this rotation. And I thought for a little bit it was Alec Marsh. Then I thought for at least one start, it was Cole Reagan's. I was okay with Austin Cox getting some starts, but now we're seeing Austin Cox fall back down to earth. Uh, this rotation, I, I think I'm going to go out and say that this rotation, may be one of the worst i've ever seen in kansas it has been some bad ones don't get me wrong i'm not forgetting those mid-2000s rotations i'm not forgetting the late 2000s rotations you know i can recall a home opener in which Sidney Ponson was pitching right i remember some really bad years jonathan sanchez too runelvis hernandez kyle davies brian bench I, I know all of them i remember all those bad years right but this rotation, to me, I think is just not exciting, right? There, There's really nobody that I look forward to see throw the ball. Right? There's there's nobody that I say, okay, it's a Friday night. Uh, I'm looking to buy tickets, okay? And Brady Singer's on the bump. Want to go out there? It doesn't matter if the Royals are 45 games under 500. It's Singer Day. I get to go see Brady Singer start against whoever the hell it may be. Or it's Daniel Lynch Day. You know, for last year for a little bit early on, it was, hey, Granky's pitching. Granky's back in Kansas City. I'd love to see Zach pitch. I don't feel that way anymore. And I think the only other guy left for me to find excitement in to see throw innings in the in the last part of the season would be Cole Reagans. I would like to see Cole Reagans come back up soon. I'm hoping that the Royals after the deadline make that move and they can clear up some space in the rotation. And I also want to see what Anthony Veneziano looks like. He's been pitching really well in Omaha. Do I think he sticks? No, but I I at least want to see a guy like Anthony Veneziano get some innings because that's what this last half of the season should be used like. Just find guys who can give you some innings here because this rotation, this bullpen, boring to watch, man. And I don't think I've I've used that term yet to describe the rotation. Use it to describe the bullpen. The bullpen, they bring in a, a Nick Whitgrin. They bring in a Taylor Clark. I'm not really watching the TV that much when they're in a game in a blowout, right? None of us are, right? Why are you watching it when it's 7-1, to 8-1, to one, right? Carlos Hernandez, the only guy that is kind of my, okay, I'm going to pay attention to every single pitch. The rotation now, like there's just, I can't get too excited about it, right? Because I don't really believe any of these guys are going to be in the rotation the next time the Royals are truly competitive. I know for a fact three of them are not going to be on the roster next year. And Lyles, Granke, and Ryan Yarbrough. And I I was very impressed with what Ryan Yarbrough did against Cleveland in that that game one, the series opener. But it really says something about your young guys in your rotation when Ryan Yarbrough, who had been on the IL for two months, is by far and away, hands down, your best pitcher. And it's just saying, saying something right now. You no, know, he's pitched himself into being a trade chip, and maybe that turns into something. But man, I mean, the, the the struggles continue, and I can't really say that I find joy or any excitement in seeing who's on the bump. Like Brady Singer throws on Friday night, I believe it is throws on Friday night, or maybe it is today. I need to double check on that uh, real quickly. But but even if it's Thursday or Friday night, like I don't get the same juice, the same you know heart rate going up to see Brady Singer pitch to see the electricity I just don't last year I did and the Royals are off tonight and then it will be Brady Singer on Friday you know and I I would have loved this year to to use Brady Singer as that guy but he's just really not anymore he's not he, he was the last couple of years but this rotation man is oh man I I think it's nearly unwatchable right and and I think with Zach Greinke, I hope the best for him, but I, I'm even starting to question if you give him starts anymore. Like It's just penciling in a loss almost every single time out. He runs out of gas by the fifth inning. Jordan Lyles, he was good for a little bit, and then he gets rocked in New York. Alec Marsh, 0-5, 7-plus ERA. Daniel Lynch on the shelf. Right? Am, am I going to get too excited about on Serpa coming up? Maybe, maybe just because I'm – Uh, a sick fan of baseball that I really can still find outlets and reasons to watch a team that's 45, 46 games under 500. The way I'd fix it, I would add Cole Reagan, Serpa, Anthony Veneziano, roll with Brady Singer, and and probably Alec Marsh. There's my five. And I think everybody else, I'd say you're either going to the bullpen or you're getting the ax and you're no longer going to be in Kansas City. I'm just going to try to throw it at the wall here with with young arms, see what they got. Give them some experience in a year like this. All right, the last thing I want to go over here, a little bit of a fun segment with the all-time royal killers. Who do I think it is? And what did you, the listener, and the follower on Twitter say about an all-time royal killer? That's coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuning to Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. Again, that's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore Five. and what you're going to want to do is check us out on all those podcasting platforms like apple podcast amazon music spotify check us out on youtube as well uh you can always reach out to me on twitter for any questions or comments we'll not have a show tomorrow okay but i'm still going to do a mailbag friday so reach out to me on twitter ask me any questions you may have could be about the royals the minor league system the trade deadline options are endless just keep it pg so i don't really have to to bring up a, a vulgar question in one of my podcasts. But I guess it doesn't really matter tomorrow since I'm not going to have one. I will be out of town in Asheville, North Carolina. So uh, just reach out to me. Give me any questions on a mailbag Friday. But I asked this question on Twitter yesterday of who is the true Royals killer. And I'm not going to give the fourth option because it was more so of a joke. And that was anybody with a bat. But the three big ones that I came up with was Paul Canerico, Frank Thomas, and Miguel Cabrera. All three of those guys. Terrorized the Royals. Frank Thomas, who only got 4% of the votes. Some of you either didn't watch Frank Thomas in a White Sox uniform or go look at his numbers on Fan Graphs or Baseball Reference or MLB.com. Frank Thomas was ridiculous against the Royals. It was scary, absolutely scary to see the big hurt take on Kansas City pitching. Paul Canerco, to me, didn't have the most eye popping numbers. But boy, didn't it feel like he always killed the Royals. I mean, they almost feel like he had the nickname, the Royal Killer, which is why I put Paul canerico there. And then Miguel Cabrera, those early years in Detroit, uh, leading all the way up into 2017, Miguel Cabrera always got on base. And then in the last couple of years, as he's aged, the power's gone away. Guess what? He still gets on base against the Royals. But here's what the fun thing is. You get 25 write-ins here for Royals Killers. So I'm going to give a nod to everybody that gave a write-in. I'm going to call you out by name on Twitter. So Preston Farr, we brought him up, uh, who covers the Royals Minor Leagues. He's uh, on Twitter, at Royals Minors. He brought up Ian Kensler. And Ian Kensler, to me, was a perfect write-in. Because Ian Kensler is a guy that, you know, I think even going back to his days in Texas, always seemed to hit the Royals. And it was a bit annoying Because he's not a Miguel Cabrera, he's not a Frank Thomas, he's not a a big hulking figure on on great teams. Even the years Detroit was down, Ian Kensler always hit the Royals. He always found a way to find a gap. He'd always hit the wall-scraping home runs. He was infuriating to watch as a Royals fan. So yeah, Preston, that's a great write-in. Isaac Deer said Ichiro, and I, I think I would agree with this too, but my only rebuttal would be, Ichiro hit against everybody, right? Ichiro just hit the entire league. He hit everybody when he was over in Japan. But yeah, uh, Ichiro, who you know did say Kansas City is hotter than a you-know-what, just go look up on YouTube, Ichiro Suzuki, Kansas City, you'll find one of the most hilarious clips that has ever involved Kansas City. But Ichiro, yeah, I think he is one of those guys. The Royal Deluxe Podcast said Matt Davidson. That was such a weird time period when Matt Davidson would – Hit three home runs or four home runs in two games against the Royals. His swing was never anything unbelievable. He just had that raw power. And then he was out of the league. It just as oddly as he came in, he was gone. He was just gone in the blink of an eye. But when he was here for that short time, yeah, he always found a way to put one in the seats at Kauffman Stadium. Uh, Kevin said, babe, read us. Uh, again, I think any off the wall. Answer is going to get some love here. And Kevin had a great one as well. Chance LeBeau said, Brian Dozier, those years in Minnesota, kind of like Kinsler, very annoying to me. Uh, Brian Dozier was tiny. He was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, had a weird 40 home run season. I believe it was 2017 or 18 that he had those type of numbers and then never did again. Uh, I remember the Twins traded him to the Dodgers, and I don't even remember picturing him in a Dodgers uniform. But Brian Dozier, great write-in as well. Brad Porter said, Jim Tomey. 49 bombs against the Royals. Jim Tomey was just around forever. Super nice guy, but anytime you saw Jim Tomey at the plate, ball was going out. Uh, He was going to be able to hit the ball hard, and even into his later seasons. The the final year in in Baltimore, I think, faced the Royals and still had that that fear almost, maybe because the name alone as when he played in Cleveland and when he played in Minnesota. Uh, Johnny B brings up the name who shall not be mentioned for most times, but I'll give him some love here. Madison Bumgarner, when you do what you did against the Royals in 2014, you kind of have to be the royal killer. And the, the the just the coldest line that Madison Bumgarner ever said was walking in in game seven, turning back to the bullpen and saying, nobody's getting up tonight. I'm finishing this. And I for I don't remember the exact quote, but that was kind of along the lines that night's off for you guys. I got this. And to win a World Series after throwing a complete game, you know, two games earlier in game five, ridiculous. So yeah, Madison Bumgarner, is a great right in Ryan says Maglio Ordonez, and I didn't really remember this, but Ordonez had incredible numbers against the Royals. He had a triple slash of 310, 355, 492, with 31 home runs and 131 RBIs. Maglio on those Tigers teams in the mid-2000s, uh, truly unstoppable. Uh, Jackson says Carlos Santana when he played for Cleveland. I remember one series where I think he had like six home runs, it felt like. You know, he had two in one game and then two in another, and I think two in the third game. Like it was, it was something absurd. Maybe it was five home runs. Maybe it was two, two, and one. He always seemed to crush the Royals. And then he went and played for the Royals, and he was not the same Carlos Santana. Jim said Joe Maurer. And again, kind of like with Eatro, Joe Maurer just hit against everybody. He owned everybody. But one of those teams, of course, was the Royals um we also got from jake jorge posada uh, that one i need to do some more digging on i'm not saying you're wrong or anything but i'm trying to remember off the top of my head of jorge posada really was one of those guys that that popped as a royal killer jack says um eddie rosario and max kepler those are two great ride-ins too because i felt like every time the royals faced him especially eddie rosario he found a way to hit one out no he was always that guy that that was so tough to get out I'm going to run out of time here, but Nick said J.D. Martinez. Uh, Again, we had to write-in for Jose Ramirez, Jim Tomey. Uh, We also had Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell, Adrian Beltre. Uh, The list goes on and on and on and on. But it was a fun segment. Love always talking about all-time royal killers because it gets so much interaction. But that is going to do it for another episode of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. One of a show tomorrow, but until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.